It takes smart forward planning to put the right people in place for a successful organisation. But how do you plan for the years ahead when there's so much changing in technology, industries and the way we work right now? I'm Hamish Coots and you're listening to Talent Talks, brought to you by SIG. Robin Boomer is a Senior Executive Advisor in HR at international research and advisory firm Gartner. We met with Robin at the ARI convention in Brisbane to talk about effective workforce planning and where organisations should look to identify the future trends that will impact them. Workforce planning in an uncertain future. And I might get you to start with, when it comes to future workforce planning, there, there is always a lot to consider, um, but what are some of the factors that contributing or uh, do contribute to that uncertain future that you're talking about? Well, for a long time, organisations have primarily focused internally when they're planning for their future workforce needs, right? They conduct in interviews internally to understand, you know, what are your business strategies, what are your strategic objectives, what kind of people do you have, what do you need, and what headcount can we deliver on uh, to make sure that you can deliver on those business objectives. Um, but largely, you know, they are having those internal conversations, maybe a few kind of looks to the outside to see what competitors are doing, how regulations might be changing, those sorts of things. Um, but now we see a significant need to change and look much more externally in terms of how we make decisions about the workforce that we need. You know, we have much more information that's available in terms of what customers want, uh, what um, kind of competitors are doing, what the global labor market looks like, and we have the technology and techniques to take advantage of that now. So we're really encouraging uh, our clients who kind of do that strategic workforce planning role to incorporate much more of that evidence into their planning and not be so reliant on internal uh, kind of whims and and, uh, observations to guide that. When an organization is looking at planning, how far should they be planning ahead now? That depends on kind of what factor of workforce planning we're, we're concentrating on. So I typically recommend six to 12 months for active planning when we're looking at things like headcount and digital workplace strategy, you know, what kind of technology we provide people to be able to interact with one another and work remotely, those sorts of things. And then we want to scan ahead a little bit further to look for things that we might need to sense or set triggers around if our strategy changes or if we hit certain thresholds to pull planning a little bit further forward. But then when we get into things like the skills and capabilities that we require or the organizational design, that's where we want to push active planning a little bit further out. Probably 12 to 24 months is a good place to be actively planning, but still have those kind of scanning and sensing mechanisms for things that might come earlier or later with regulatory changes, that sort of thing. Like what you hear? Tune into more Talent Talks by hitting the subscribe or follow button in your favourite podcast app. Just search Seek Talent Talks. Thinking about headcount and maybe let's start there. How should organisations start to look at headcount if they're planning for future success, for example? Yeah, I often say that headcount alone is probably not um, a great indicator of the health of our workforce uh, because it doesn't give us enough information to manage our plans effectively. Um, So instead, we should be planning to the level of tasks that comprise the roles that we fill um, and how those contribute 
to the objectives of the organization, right? And then in tandem, look at the work time and capabilities needed to deliver on that. And that's really the level of planning that we should be considering. And not only should we think about the raw numbers, but also be looking at what kind of optionality we have um, to understand what's the skills readiness and willingness of employees to take on new responsibilities or do different tasks that aren't necessarily part of their role today. Because that gives us a healthy kind of internal mobility and the options that we need to take full advantage of the workforce we have, even if conditions change. And when you're talking about that, are you talking about the reskilling of your existing workforce, I guess, for those jobs of the future? Yeah. What are organizations doing to help reskill and plan that? I think that's a really interesting topic. Yeah, absolutely. It's one that we studied in depth over the last year. Um, We actually looked at uh, over 6 billion job advertisements that we have in our database um, to understand how different skill demand profiles are changing and also to understand how employees feel about their skill readiness. And only one in five employees feel like they have high skill readiness for their current role and feel like they have skills that would be transferable to a future role, either straight across or you know upwardly kind of mobile. Um, but when they do, they're eight times more likely to be high performers. And most organizations have focused on trying to drive a culture of continuous learning, but in many cases that actually has a, a degrading effect okay. on skill capabilities because what we end up doing is kind of chasing after what the business tells us the skills are that they need and we've kind of motivated employees with the message of the context for why that's important for the organization and even incorporated some of the kind of chicken little sky is falling yeah, yeah, messaging yeah. around automation and things like that and that's actually demotivating um, and it causes us to be reactive rather than more creative about the skills that we should be getting. Um, And so better organizations or those who are getting the highest levels of skill readiness, they actually focus their messaging more on kind of the personal motivators for development for employees. They still include some of the context for why that's important here at the organization, but about 70% of their messaging is actually focused on why development is beneficial for the employee. And then they concentrate on brokering learning opportunities as opposed to just providing more breadth of them. And I think for a long time, um, you know, when we think about individual development planning, we've been encouraging employees to develop T-shaped skill profiles where they have kind of a a breadth of capability Mm. and then one or two areas of, of deeper expertise. But if I thought about it today and it was advising somebody starting their career or kind of making a career transformation at this point, I would encourage them to think about it more like an ant farm or a rabbit warren, right? Where we have different pockets of deep expertise in certain subject areas and then kind of the connecting pathways are like the breadth of, of capability that get us from one step to the next. Um, and, and I think that's a better kind of visual model for thinking about how you should continue to develop your capabilities given the uncertain times that we're in. So it's really interesting, isn't it? We, we start the conversation talking about workforce planning and, the, and then, of course, being ready for the skills of the future um, and plays a large role into that. So another level of complexity for organisations to, to, to think through as well. The market itself, though, mm-hmm. the market shifts we're seeing at the moment, what's some of the major impacts that they're having on workforce planning? Well, as I mentioned, we did conduct this large-scale analysis of over 6 billion jobs um, over the past 10 years, and we've seen that 
market demand has shifted pretty significantly um, in some key areas. And when we kind of broke down all the skills and capabilities that were in demand, um, what we found is that there's largely four categories of, of those skill sets. So one would be like STEM capabilities, yep. right? So the ability to develop technology, for example. Um, and the demand for that is holding relatively flat. It's about 25% of the skills that are in demand, but yep. it's going to hold flat because as we see technology being invented that can do those things. It's already good at those things, so it keeps that demand relatively flat. It's kind of like the Ouroboros, you know, the snake eating its yeah. own tail as technology yeah. gets developed to do the technology. Um, but then the growing categories of skills are around digital dexterity, is what we would call it. Um, and that's really the ability to use technology and its outputs coupled with your kind of professional or vocational skills in order to deliver more value. Um, or deliver at scale. So technology is increasing the demand for that. And then the biggest growing category is social and creative skills. Um, technology is not very good at replicating those at the cost or the expectations of quality that we have, um, but it is amplifying our ability to deliver them at scale. So there's even more demand for those types of skills. And then there's a set of skills that are expiring as well. Um, things that we might not necessarily intuit um, one that I always find interesting was uh, numeracy and cashiering. <laughs> but then, you know, when you think about when was the last time I paid for something in cash instead yeah. of, you know, using FPOS yeah. or uh, automated transfer or something like that. Um, so those are the things that, you know, technology is actively displacing. Um, and so there's kind of a clear demand path for that. Um, but then there are market factors that are a little bit more disjointed yeah, you know, okay. things that we, we can't predict as well. Where should organisations look to in terms of identifying the future trends and um, we can talk about workforce planning, we can talk more broadly about the future work. There's a lot out there and, and I think a lot of people listening to this will be some way down their journey. They might be at the start or they might be you know, really starting to grappling with it. I think it'd be really interesting to know where you look and what you keep an eye on specifically. Um, I could give you a list as long as my arm <laughs> of sources that yeah. you, know, you should be kind of keeping an eye on. Um, but to make it easy uh, and to you know, have it fit within a kind of a punchy model, there's kind of six things that I, I think of uh, and they all start with C to make it easy. Um, so customers, what do our customers value most? And then constituents, what does our community expect from us? What is our kind of brand reputation and okay. how do we need to continue delivering that? What is the expectation of the skills and the workforce to deliver it? Um, and then competitors, you know, what do our competitors in business and in the talent space, what are they doing? Um, how are they moving in the labor market? And then colleges, which I use kind of as shorthand for R&D functions, universities, the academic space, think tanks and government reports, things like that, that we should be looking at to see, you know, where are trends, what are some of the emerging technologies and processes and changes that maybe haven't hit their peak yet, but will be coming down the pipeline. Colleagues. So when we think about the skills that we should develop for ourselves, looking around to see, you know, what's the groundswell doing? Um, how can we kind of get a more organic, ground up version of the skills and, and capabilities we need to develop? 
Um, and then lastly, communities of practice, which is another catch-all, uh, but you know, includes things like um, industry publications and regulatory changes affecting our industry, um, maturing capabilities and practices of others who are in the same profession as, as us. And, and those are kind of the, the six key criteria that I would say to, to keep an eye toward um, in order to really have that holistic view. That was Robin Boomer, Senior Executive Advisor at Gartner. For more Talent Talks episodes, subscribe or follow Seek Talent Talks in your favourite podcast app.